Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> I had to add the F-bomb in there because no, that's, that's what it feels like. It's finally Friday. And it's a beautiful day. It is. It's like one of those lovely Seattle almost 80 degree weather days. It is. We don't have them often enough. So, welcome to podcast goddamn number three. <laughs> and I say it like that because I feel like it's taken forever for us to get number three. And finally, Ryan and I just decided, like, damn, let's just do a damn podcast to get one going on. Because we have fun people coming down the pike, but schedules are not, we're not permitting. We made many attempts, though. I we mean, did. Like, we actually, like, we're yes. set up and people scheduled and there's a lot of interesting yes. people that want to talk. We worked hard. Yeah. So there will be more. Yeah. I'm very forgiving about schedules and, you know, changes of heart or what have you. So we were like, damn it, let's just, let's just pull over and like do a podcast, which has been really good. This week has been crazy. Like it's one of those work weeks where, again, it's Friday and I'm like, oh my God, where's, you know. It seems like it shouldn't be getting as drink. busy as it's been getting because it's like it's summertime. It's yeah. approaching. Everybody's... You know, kids are getting out of school, but our clients want to do more work, and I don't like that. I wish they would just be like, "We're done. <laughs> it's summer. We don't have any money." Yeah. Here you can you can you can just take what we've got. We don't got any more money. You could do like they do at Boeing. Everybody just gets laid off in the summer. You know. So what happens? Well, not in the summer specifically, but whenever they have like big financial cutbacks, they would just lay everybody off, and then they'd hire them all back on. Oh, right like, on. Like every now and then. Like, yeah. It wasn't like every year. That's <laughs> <laughs> just what happens. It was Boeing. like every like twenty years <laughs> when there was like a economic problem. Plan your summers accordingly, mm-hmm. kids. Um, well, you know what's so funny? I think I'm going on four months here too, working, and I was joking today about I don't. I don't know that I'm even really good at this job <laughs> um, because there's there's a lot that I probably construct in my own mind too about what a good like project manager is. And for those who don't know, which could be everybody, um, I do project management as my job, as my as my other job, as my big girl job. And, but it's something I've kind of fallen into, and on some levels I can do it, but then on other levels I feel like I'm completely faking it. And I'm not like I'm not a spreadsheet girl. I'm not a, I'm not a, um, <laughs> I'm not a details person. For anyone who's had to like try and book me a show, they're like, "Holy hell, how is she a project manager?" But um, <laughs> this was one of those weeks where I was just like, "Oh, I don't know about this. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure this is what I'm really meant to be doing." Is that like the uh, imposter syndrome thing where everybody? Uh, well, I've heard so like many people talk about. It. My mom used to talk about it. Anybody I know who's been like heavy corporate often says like you are faking it until you make it. You know, everybody or, or does. Everyone yeah. does, and you forget about that. That's the thing is, I get isolated in my head, and then I have to remind myself that I'm probably setting up the parameters of like how am I doing or things like that where everyone is kind of learning on the fly Mm -hmm. and whatever they're doing um, or comparing themselves to others or wondering how am I doing kind of thing everybody has to do that one of my favorite books is called Fraud by David Rakoff oh that sounds good and it's like him as a writer and all the different jobs he had to do as a writer you know basically like working like outside magazine I'm trying to remember it's been a few years since I read it yeah but he was not an outside kind of person but he got a job as a writer there so he's just like oh I'm gonna write about hiking and trails (laughs) he's like I don't do that you know it's like but that as a career writer that was part of the thing that helped him become a better writer was having all these different jobs and different experiences even though every time he got these jobs he's just like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing yeah and it's so stressful it's so stressful. Although I don't think that I'm going to walk away from project management going, wow, that really, like, although the thing that I always remind myself in every job I have had is um, the people. 
that I've met. Like, I've met you through this job, right. and now we do this podcast together. So I think that's kind of the secret magic for me that's gone into why the good things I've gotten out of working in a Well, that's the best job. thing about any company I've yeah. ever worked at. It's never been about the work or anything like that. I've never made it rich in any of these companies, but it, you do just keep meeting more interesting people, and you expand your friends and your network, and... Yeah. That's the most valuable part out of it. Yes. You know, it really adds up and actually carries over to other things. Like, Well, I think in, like in life too, like you and I were talking the other day about like, about things that you, like things that you like, right? Things you want to build, um, things you see yourself doing in the future. And, um, it, and even though like we're, you know, we're maybe we're working like a corporate job or things like that. And there's great people that I, I still lately very much have this longing to, or to do something that's truly myself, you know, that I feel like adds value. I'm sure this is obviously very common to everybody like, oh, I want to give to the world. Hmm. Um, but I really want to do something eventually that's just really true to myself because I've had the chance to do that before with music. Um, and that's the thing that, um, lingers for me. Like, wow, I've had a taste of my job being exactly myself, you know, and the right. output was straight from me, my own creativity. Um, and that's a curse and a blessing because it's, you know, it's a curse cause you kind of like, you know, the difference. And so it makes it kind of impossible for me to hundred percent buy into like, yeah, this is my life. This mm-hmm. is what I love. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's not. It's what I do to pay the rent and I get benefits by meeting great people. And I'll look on the sunny side of things about that, but I yearn to go back to a business or create my own business that is from my person, like talents or ideas or things like that. And, um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And there's always that moment where you're at work and you're like, nope, like, I'm trying to think like if you're in a meeting and everyone's trying to jargon that it's all okay or what's going on, you're like, it's not, it's not. And I don't care. (laughs) And, um, I know what I'd rather be doing, but right now I, you know, I just can't walk away today or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try not to linger there, but I do have those feelings lately. Um, my goal is to eventually have a business that is a mixture of probably music and doing this podcasting and then I really want to do something and I I feel like any of the words out there are not quite what it be like life coaching or counseling um and I've been trying to figure out like what what exactly it is and what would you call that because it's not really like it's more confidence boosting like right. I want to take someone who feels nervous about something work them through that so they get to doing it. Right, right. Um, so they serve themselves. Yeah, the nice thing is I don't think you got, there's any, like, qualifications to do right. that. So, I mean, you just right. have to be good at it. People have to, like, believe that you're good at it, and then you can do it, really. Well, I feel like I've got to set something up in terms of, and I do think about these things, do I need an office? Do, what would someone, a, a construct that people would recognize mm-hmm. and then be able to say yes to? Because I think I know a lot of people who would say, oh, I would love to talk to you. And I'm like, would you come to a place, pay me money, and take my advice seriously? That's a big difference when somebody pays you for it. Yeah. So I want to put it together in some way that it has a name or a vision to it that someone can understand and then say, yes, I want that. Mm -hmm. I would would like to, like, spend money on that. Or I can see what that is. And um, I don't think that's so far-fetched, but I feel this, like, I feel this gap between the not the not doing and then doing it. Like, yeah. what's going to be the tipping point for me to 
doing it. I think that's the scary part is like, is right now, no matter what, you're in a comfort zone, you've got stability, yeah. you've got these things, and then every time you want to add something new or do something new, there's that risk. Yes. And like, there's that investment of your time and your energy, yes. and then what's it going to mean, repercussion yeah. wise? Well, we were talking about that yesterday too. When you have an idea, mm-hmm. but you don't know the end, you don't know the end result yet. Right. Makes it even hard to start. Right. In some way. It can yeah. It can, that be. can be the hardest part. It's just like with anything, with writing, with art, yes. with music. It's like getting started. Yeah. Is like that's the tough part. For Coming to the least. blank page. You're right. Yeah. You're just totally nervous that nothing's going to come out, so you just don't go at all. Yeah, I, I absolutely get that. I, I just want to, I want a gut starter point. I'm, I'm pretty courageous in that way where it's like, if I get a gut idea that's like, get an office, make some cards and start talking about it. Maybe that's the start. And maybe yeah. I don't have anyone who shows up for months and then one person does. Maybe that's how it looks. Like, um, well, maybe, like maybe I just busy. answered my question right there. Okay. <laughs> well, you have plenty of other things that you're doing, so it's not like... You need to do that to rely on it. You could explore it, and it's less. Yeah, I'm just really eager. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I have a tendency to get then really excited about it, and then I gotta calm that down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that that struck me again when we were having a conversation about the things you want to do. Right. Um, and I thought, well, I should really be following my own advice. Um, and so I'll be chewing on that. I will be chewing on that. But for now. Um, Oh, I know what I was going to say. The thing about right now is um, circumstantially, like, I am the breadwinner of the family. So Mm -hmm. I I just can't logically walk away and be like, we've got got no money, no insurance, you know. But that's just now. And now is temporary. Um, You could win the lottery and do whatever you want. That'd be sweet. I want that. It's it's hard having responsibility because then it's like you have to continue. Once you're into that game and you're like, like a parent and you've got responsibilities... You can't take as many risks, I think, because of that. Or you got to think really hard about how you make that transition. For sure. Because yeah. to do nothing, I think, is soul-killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I try to be very wary of that. I don't want that, you know. I was telling my husband yesterday, um, because we've been doing a lot of just soul-searching since we've been back in Seattle, and there's change afoot again in Seattle. Seattle's not the same Seattle it was when I first started being here. And so that's kind of a discussion we have. But we also talked, I was just talking about how I feel, what's missing or what's wrong, you know, like what, what's not feeling good. And I, it dawned on me that I joined corporate world based on insecurities, right? Based on sort of like American ideals, like, oh, I don't own anything. I don't, you know, I got really caught up in a year, pretty a typical year, like late thirties where I think a lot of people freak out and be like, where am I at? And I was like, oh, I don't have any, I don't own anything. I don't have a house or a car or whatever. And join the corporate world. And I will say, and this is also what pushes me to like, make sure I go back to something I love is that a little piece of me is lost Mm -hmm. in every job. Like, this is not where I belong. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately, if I was really honest, I would say, I don't care. I don't care about any of the work. Like, no, none of these worries matter at all to me. They really just, they just don't. I mean, no, it's also I'm respectful, good, but... It's a good place to be, because, like, if you get too emotionally involved in your work, it's like, then, and that's not your passion, you know, yeah. it can be a lot more stressful, a lot more disappointing. Yes. Because <laughs> you have a lot less control over it, especially in a corporate environment, because there's so many layers, extra people... 
you can't it's not your way it's it's everybody's way or somebody yeah. else's way it's hard yes the, you know unless you take over the whole company <laughs> right I have no desire well and some of those and some people um, some people really believe their own you know jargon right mm-hmm. or they have their own set of fears like fear is a big thing fear is a big thing all the time but in workplaces when someone's like ooh you can't talk to so and so or ooh you can't do that or they have a different vision. I mean, it's like it becomes law, and then all of a sudden you start comparing your behavior to that, and you can get really lost in that. For and sure. it takes a lot of effort to say, like, no, I think that's crap. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe more politely, you're like, and I don't believe that. Um, right. I've been trying to get stronger about that as I go through every job because um, it is a, a bit of a mind fuck. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. lots of times you get in a culture cluster where everyone's like, no, it is true. And you're like, yeah. I don't think so. Frankly, talking to you has made me feel better. Like, right? I'm not crazy when we talk about certain uh, uh, work cultures anywhere. Right, right. I mean, I like the culture here where we're at. But it is good. It is good compared to other places. I've been in some oh, yes. really crazy places. Yeah. And some of these people who run the shops, I mean, they have a good, their heart's in the right place, you know, mm-hmm. what they want to do, but sometimes it's like, you know, it's just, I can't even, I don't want to. Are we to, being Seattle nice? I'm trying to be nice. Are we being like Seattle nice? Yeah. Like, till, just say I they're mean, being assholes. <laughs> yeah, I guess I may be, yeah, I'm trying to be nice because I know they, what reason? they could listen to this. I don't know. Because in, in the long run, like, they, you know, I, I appreciate them now. Sure. But I really didn't like working with them at all a bit. Yeah. And so it's like when you see these people now, especially some like startups, like I've worked with, I want to say like four different startups. Yeah. Some of the, And that's just there's so much more emotional intensity in a startup because you're coming at it and it's like you're trying to build this thing and it's somebody's vision, somebody's dream and it's all this energy and money gets wasted and time mm-hmm. and everybody gets burnt out at some point if it doesn't, if it's not successful and, and none of the ones I was with were successful, really. That's right, because you've been in some true startups. Like yeah, some from the ground up. Three people, two people in the yeah. room, kind of. And yeah. some are still around, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. I really do respect the ones that have stuck around, you know, even though there was like the hard times of when I left because of, we were just like, you, I don't, at the time I was like, I don't think you guys are going to succeed. You're just going down the crazy route and you're not looking, being forward thinking. And they've kind of reinvented the business and they've stayed around. And like, that's cool. I'm glad that they're still there. One of them was just probably the worst startup in the history of startups. Where we were like voted by Wired Magazine like vaporware product of the year. You know, we were had oh. comic books like strips written about how horrible we were. Like, we had <laughs> blog posts on a regular basis. We had like this guy who was just like an enemy of our company. And really, they were right. Like even though like while you're working for this business, you're like, oh okay, yeah, I believe in what we're doing. Well, and these other guys were mocking us and making fun of what we're doing. And, like they don't they don't know. They're just not here. Yeah. But really, they did know. <laughs> That's why they were picking out. Because the corporate had a different plan and different strategy. Well, I, lo- I mean, I love talking to you about this stuff too because you've been like in the tech industry for a long time, more than I think I realized. Because you know people who are at the beginning of a lot of different companies here. You've started your own company, yeah. Um, so it's just interesting because now Seattle, you know, Seattle has been for a while like a tech hub, right? And now it's getting even more so. Um, so it's really interesting to talk to you just to hear like. The stories about your own experiences doing startups or your own, you know, your own business or knowing the folks at the time yeah. in the day, you know, like I've had so many great missed opportunities. I know you've said, <laughs> which it's got to, I know drives you crazy. Oh, I know, yeah. like the, like early nineties, um, going to, uh, an interview at Amazon when they were still downtown Seattle, small office, I think they were like on 
like first and like near Pike Street around there. Oh, right, yeah. Trying to remember where the location I was. I remember. And going in, and it's just like a bunch of like crappy door tables, and everything's <laughs> kind of slapped together. And it was like my kind of my first real startup interview, and they didn't have money for anything. Like I was like when I was being trying, I was being recruited as like a designer, kind of front end web person. And they were like, you know, you'd have to bring your own computer. You have to do all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, you guys are just a joke. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to work here. And if I had, I mean, it would have been phenomenal. <laughs> right, so, right. But how do you know? I mean, you don't know. Yeah. You I mean, don't and know. based on my gut instinct at the time, I was like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Hey, I can say the same thing about music. Like I've, you know, I think I've said to a lot of people, like, goodness was signed to Love Atlantic. Um, Lava is very analysis driven, right? And so when mm-hmm. they were doing the goodness, goodness's second record. Um, there, I think. I think this is how they came to this decision. Their analysis was is that all fans liked all songs, so therefore we don't know what to do with you. So we're going to ask Carrie to do a solo record and screw the rest of you, right? Yeah, that's and nice. yeah, in a, the way this person's well, Jason Flom, whatever, had said like, "Hey, Carrie, we want to do a record with you," and he literally said, "We don't give two shits about your band," and then proceeded to like. Um, uh, diminish each and every one of my band members. So, so in my logic mind, like you have a logical mind, I was, I was like, oh, well, that's that's an amazing opportunity. But then as he kept talking, I'm like, oh my god, you're an asshole. Like, right. and my pragmatic logical mind said, you're terrible. And if you're terrible now to those people, what are you going to do to me mm-hmm. when I don't dance your dance? Is what I'm assuming, or do what you want me to do? Because I have a feeling you're not going to let me be free and easy with the creativity and so I didn't take him up on it yeah um and then you know sometimes I think and then goodness you know proceeds to work really hard and then fall apart right right so there's times where I think ooh what if I would have taken him up on it you know like what are, you know, yeah, where would I be now but it's hard to tell because sometimes those people are right maybe they're, they're yeah I could the be in a ditch well. though too you know yeah. depressed and on the road so yeah, it's, it's yeah. never no. As it's I said, like some of the startups I did say yes to <laughs> failed. So the ones I said no to succeeded. So that's the, my advice is that if you want a successful startup, is interview me and have me turn you down. <laughs> and you're guaranteed to just be super successful. You're like some crazy leprechaun. I did I finally like figure you. out, yeah, my uh, success picker. I'm like, the more ridiculous the idea sounds to me, yes. like a stupid idea, I'm like, it's probably a really good one. That's <laughs> I mean, you start to question your own sense of, yeah. like, why didn't I see that? Yeah, like, or why didn't I? I mean, I don't have that mind who's going to be able to look at some business and be like, oh, I see the whole future of that, or I see where you're going. I'm very, you know, at the, uh, in the beginning, like, well, it sounds good or bad. Or I'll follow my gut. I'm going to, you know, if your gut says no, then that's what I usually go with. Yeah, which usually it's right, I would hope, but, you know, it's not all. <laughs> You know, in the end, and, and again, like, uh, Chris Real said this, he, you know, in the first podcast, too, he's like, you know, or, or Rick had said this as well, everything leads you to where you are right now, and you wouldn't have some of the things you have, um, like your family or things like that. Right. Or some, everything would be different. different. That's yeah. the crazy thing. It just takes one little change, and your whole life could be totally different. Plus, I think life is long. You know, you're not dead yet. That's my big, <laughs> that's my other, that's my other big, like, phrase. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> so... It, you could start your own company again and and have something explode as well. I mean, right. that's perfect. You're not in a, you're not incapacitated. Um, not so yet. You gotta, not, not yet. Give it another couple bottles. Keep more drinking this. <laughs> well, the other thing you know, I kind of wanted to talk about, which our family's been talking about, is how different Seattle is now. And I know this. I see it 
I see conversations flying everywhere, or at least everywhere I'm looking, like the news or Facebook or I'm sure it's on a ton of other channels, but just one, how crowded Seattle's getting, how expensive. I'm really starting to see, and this strikes me, a lot of like stories from artists like conversations like I'm moving can't afford it like oh, for sure or I'm getting booted out of my house because they can sell it for more or I mean strikingly now enough stories where I'm like whoa a friend of mine just got evicted like they have nowhere to live right now or oh wow like a couple people just moved um, and so I feel like I'm watching a trend or a shift where I'm like something's happening yeah and it's not a good trend because like the no. having creative people leave your city takes away from the character of a city. It's like, you want that. It's an important part of what makes a place interesting. And it's depressing when you see, like, all the little cool shops here in Pioneer Square closing down, and then the only thing that can replace them are, like, bigger, better, more expensive restaurants and things like that. Right. Filling those gaps, because they're the only ones that can logically take that new space and afford to survive. But you're like, ah, I really like that old bookstore. I really like that stupid toy store or whatever that can't really afford to exist anymore. But it's what made this area... Cool, because they were there for 30 years, you know? Well, and it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel... It feels transitory. Mm-hmm. Like, so much more feels transitory. Like, I'm sorry, who bought all... You know, who's bought the houses in the neighborhood? Oh, the young person maybe who doesn't have a family who can afford it because they work at Amazon, you right. know? Like, oh, that's great. Well, it's not a family neighborhood. Like, for instance, we live in West Seattle. And I have a friend who grew up there. And, I mean, I have a couple friends, actually, who've grown up there. And they're like, oh, I can't afford to buy a house in the place I grew up. Right. I got to move. Yeah, I know. But Joe Blow from California or wherever, I shouldn't, I'm not biased, but wherever has come and moved and has the tech job that can. And maybe they have a family, maybe they don't. It's just very, um, there's no, there's just no chance. There's no option. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's extraordinary to me. I had like, um, so for, for anybody who wants to know, like my husband and I are considering moving. So not not we're we're moving to T Town. Um, so it's not that far away and it's affordable and we want to do it soon because we feel like that's not going to be an option. I don't really want right. to be away from. It's a window as well. That yeah, they'll afford because it will go up. Because we can't afford we can't afford West Seattle. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We can't um, uh, we can't afford it. And so. It's also gotten really crowded. Like, I got back and, you know, we were in Minneapolis, um, which is um, uh, less crowded. It's more mellow. You can, It's affordable. but it, And it's very family-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved back, um, it just feels hustle-bustly here. And it feels like it doesn't feel calm. You know what I mean? Like, I want friends to, like, linger over and have a barbecue. I want right. to... I want to um, relax, frankly, and I want time and space, not fighting traffic. And I, I, I keep asking myself, like, am I crazy? Am I seeing what I'm seeing? But I'm like, it just feels stuffed here, and it feels crowded. I don't even consider going to other neighborhoods because mm-hmm. I don't want to get in a car. Right. I've kind of done those neighborhoods anyways. I sort of feel like I've done done Seattle. I mean, I've had great history in life here. Um but we're talking about moving too, just for those reasons. And I, um, a month ago when we first started considering it, I was not happy about it. I mean, I had meltdown, like tears, mm-hmm. calling friends, going, "I can't believe," because "can't's not in my vocabulary, really." <laughs> like, yeah, I hear you. "Can't's there. not." I feel like my parents. I feel like this is the most grown-up thing I've had to do is to face a financial fact, and then. Oh well, move. You can't have what you 
You can't yeah. have what you want unless you want to be house poor. No, exactly. It's a difficult thing. Like having, I mean, I've lived in Seattle almost all my forty years that I've been here. You know, since I was born here, and probably another huge yeah, you're regret from here. Yeah, Hi. was like not buying a house when I was younger because that wasn't the thing you did when you were younger. I know. I think about that yeah. all the time. You know, and why then, the hell didn't I buy like? And then finally, when I did hit the age of thinking about buying a house, was when the, the housing market across the entire country was a horrible, overpriced disaster. You know. Oh right, yeah. And then everybody I talked to was there, like, "Don't buy a house now. Don't do it now." It's terrible. But it didn't really collapse in Seattle like it did everywhere else. Like prices went down a little bit here. But they didn't go down enough to where it was like, oh, I can afford to buy a house. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw like, you know, it went down like maybe, we're talking like most houses like in my neighborhood, I'm all, I rent because I live in a nicer neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty fortunate to find cheap rent and a mm-hmm. nice house. But it's like this, uh, most of the stuff in there is like in the 500K price range. Yeah. And then they did drop down to like, you know, 450. So it's right. like, oh, I came down oh. a little bit. It's like, that's still out of my price range right. by a lot. So it's like, that's where you have to look at the greater area. But as a, you know, growing up in the area, I'm like, some of the stuff, nobody wanted to live in this neighborhood right. when I was a kid. Oh, you know, yeah, it's like, were, yeah. Some of these places were terrible, you know. It's right. like they were kind of, because you're far out from wherever there was, you know. Like, well, I feel so, I mean, I feel and have probably felt this way for a long time. I just feel so sad, like I missed an era of affordability. Yeah. Like I think about my parents who built houses for 60 or parents of friends here who are like oh yeah they bought their house for like 90,000 or 60 or you know and <laughs> and now it's like if they wanted to buy they couldn't be here I feel like it's similar to music when you sort of look at amazing music from the past and you go if that band came out now no one would bat an eye right like no one would even like it's them. all about being right time right yeah. place right yes like choices you know there's so much of it's based on that I just never thought I'd be in a position forced into a position and I'm certainly not staying in some sort of negative like uh, um, if that's what's happening and we have a good solution I'm going to look at it as an adventure and usually I do I, I'm, I guess I'm surprised that I'm that this one is hard for me you know like because we came back um, and I think due to lots of life circumstances like I'm older my mother's passed you know there's just some heavy life things have gone on where I, I came back and said great we're back I want to sit down right and it's like no you're not sitting down but I think other people who have lived longer than me would laugh at me and be like yep it's going to continue and it will continue to be that way but um but now we're kind of excited I mean look my husband luckily is like the logical one he can put the factoids together and say like here's why this is a great idea and it's going to be great and here's why I get overly like concerned for our son and like oh we're going to move again and you know, everyone says kids are resilient, but my heart... They really are. I mean, they can... It'll be tough oh, maybe at first. You guys. Yeah. But, you know, wherever you move, even, I mean, even in any age, you can yeah. cope with that fairly well. It can be stressful. Moving is one of the biggest stresses they say you can have. Yeah. Like death and divorce. <laughs> no, you, know, totally. it's like, you know what? Like, I remember a therapist I had said that. I was like, oh, awesome. I've had, like, the top three. Yeah. You know, like, job loss, moving, death in the family. Like you can put it all and back I'm still, to back. I'm still right? here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, but it's also heavy too. I feel like I've seen a lot. Another like um, heavy point I've seen is people passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've noticed strikingly more notices of people like whoa out of nowhere passing, and that's that's interesting and new to me. Yeah, um, that's probably so to get that age where yeah your friends and relatives can start to die randomly too because it's they're. People, once they get in their 50s, start to die, you know. Oh, hell, even in their 30s. Like, I mean, I feel like there was in my younger years, it was like, oh, heroin or drugs or things like that. Like, oh, people passing. Now it's like 
health issues or depression or something else. So that's going on. And definitely, definitely, uh, I, I know that I'll have further conversations with other friends too, but like just grieving, like just grief. Like now that I feel like I am a club member now of whatever you call it, the dead parent club. Um, and I joke, I joke, but it's not funny. And, uh, I just read the article that Cheryl Sonderberg wrote um, from Facebook, and her husband has passed. I haven't read that yet. Oh, so um, for the for those who haven't read it, and you probably a lot of people seen it. Um, her husband recently passed on a vacation they were on, um, like so out of out of nowhere, not planned or whatever. And just her her um, essay, some people are calling her Facebook post about coming out of Shiva and um, Shiloshim for his passing mm. was so dead on. I mean, I could just, I could relate and I could feel her description of the void and the gratitude towards people who rally around you, mm. but also the extent of that event on a person personally, because others, and everybody says this in grief, others will comfort you and then they're kind of done with it, right? Not because right. they're insensitive, but that's not going on but for you the person who's experiencing it it can feel like an endless void that you can't even measure the end of it this person who's now gone and the effects of that going forward their absence and um what that means for your life and for me for my mom it was like things would dawn on me where i would say oh my god i oh i never oh my god i'm gonna have to explain my mom to my son like in, cause I'll probably knock on wood, be alive for 40 more years. Right. So it's 40 years without her. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Um, I didn't think like, oh, I'm going to have to keep her memory alive. Um, and I'm going to have to keep on living, which sounds really dramatic, but I mean, but living, <laughs> but living in a way, like I want to, I want to be, I'm living, I'm, I'm participating. I'm happy. Like be alive. Yeah. I think that's one of the positive thing sometimes of somebody close to you when they pass is that it does put your life into perspective more you're like oh yeah like mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna die too that's inevitable yes. we all do yes and like having a child you start to think about like oh okay well I may want to make sure that things are more set up for them and like I'm gonna make the right choices mm-hmm. back to like you know taking risky choices it's like yes. the same sort of thing you still want to do those challenging risky things that make you happy but you also think about the long-term effects of like everything yeah which I don't think I mean probably most parents don't <laughs> No, but, you know, it'd be useful to be able to have that kind of thought. Process. No, but what I don't think people realize is that, like, I remember, I, at least I remember my, well, God, when I graduated from high school, I was like, I'm out of here like a bat out of hell. I'm going to Seattle and took risks. And, like, it was a joyful, alive, like, re- you know, very, like, um, energizing feeling, nonstop looking forward. Mm-hmm. Late 30s, you know, that's the first time I ever stopped and kind of, like, looked backwards and then felt a little heavier and now with the passing even though I understand those things um there is a bit of a like a a tire you know like a weight a burden right as I logically think that and keep you know fighting forward um I look forward to the day where there's some levity like I can feel it off my chest or my person where and I just think that takes effort and some time Um, my husband and I just were uh reading a lot about stagnation and we're doing actually just great conversations around stagnation and the origins of that or your reactions to things and unraveling and we were just talking about how it's really not a truism that 
time heals all wounds. Sometimes actually effort. Right. <laughs> Sometimes the time just makes them still stick around longer. Yeah, you know. can really fester in a lot of time, sure. you know what I mean? What you actually need to do is make an effort to resolve, dig in, discover, and then release and let go. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been really profound, just to be like, oh, you know, um, if I just sit here in this, I will still be sitting here in this. Um, and I don't want that, so... There's another good thing I read. I I like The Artist Way, that book. Yeah. And there's a great uh, chapter in um, Julia Cameron writes that book. And there's a great chapter about one of her clients coming to her and saying, oh, I've always wanted to play the piano and I just never have and all this stuff. And she finally looked at her and said, like, well, you're not dead. (laughs) I mean, maybe the person was like 67. She's like, well, you're not dead. You can still start. Yeah. There's never too late to start. Yeah. Any new thing you want to learn or adventure or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it just gets harder sometimes as you get older. Like, I want to be a mountain climber and I'm in my 60s or something. That's going to be a harder (laughs) choice. Yeah. You couldn't do it, though. I mean, people you do could. amazing stuff all the time. You could do what you can do. Well, that's why I'm excited for you. And that's why I, I like, selfishly, maybe annoyingly, want to be your champion. <laughs> like, I want to be the, the <laughs> I want to be the ghost PM. This is the PMing I will like. Well, I'll be like, did you get that done? Yeah. Maybe right. talk to so-and-so. Think the next idea out and make the next steps. Yeah, don't make me call them for you. Because <laughs> um, it's exciting. Because the other thing I like is when people do succeed... I know some folks who get jealous about that. I get in, I get um, energized because mm. I see someone succeed and I go, ooh. Yeah, there's that possible. moment of envy that I usually still get where I'm like, that, you know, or maybe I should have done that. Or oh, I get sure. What you're doing. That, yeah, for me, it's I've never been jealousy. It is always just like, that was a good idea and I should have thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Especially like the things like when Twitter came along, you're like, God damn it, I could <laughs> I could have made that. It's just it's a stupid <laughs> word thing. You know? like, what the hell? Well, you know. Then I think that that next step is, okay, well, then do something. Mm-hmm. And we'll just do it. I mean, there's so many steps. You know where we were talking? There's so many steps you can take that don't make you – you don't have to commit to anything. I think, again, people don't start because they're right. like – they feel the weight of the whole experience. And it's like, well, no, you don't have to sign that on the dotted line for right, a long right. time. Yeah, you don't have to take on all the burden. With no, you can just discovery for a long time and then decide if you want to buy in or whatever that sign-off moment is. But, uh, but that's, I'm, I'm excited for like a, I always say like, I'm ready for part two. I'm ready to wake up for part two and be alive and, um, feel, feel it. The other thing my husband said to me the other day, um, that struck me because we have so many like things lately, (laughs) bravo Marty, but he'll say things are like, oh my God, I didn't think about it that way. Um, we started talking about like intimacy and I don't mean like sexual intimacy. I mean friendship. Right. And which can be harder. Which can be harder. Yeah. And I realized for myself that even though, and this was, again, I will say profound for me because I was like, oh my God. Um, even though I feel like I'm friendly and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. and I have friends that I care about and I know I have friends that love me, that's not the same as intimacy. The like intimacy is full presence, walls down. Yeah, it's the vulnerability. It's, it's the vulnerability the thing where you can be with somebody and you can share that you're having a hard day and you really yeah. are. You don't have to pretend, you know, and having that comfort. And you get something back from them. Right. Like I asked myself, what friendships do I have that 
give back to me. Mm-hmm. Which is important, because otherwise, yeah, you're just the person that comes in and takes a big crap. Yeah. <laughs> and then leaves. Yeah. You know? Nobody wants that in a friendship or any intimacy. But, but that can also include, like, I mean, I know I have friends who love me, but, like, mm-hmm. um, do they call? Like, do I see them? And this isn't a roster of, like, what you ought to be doing for me. Um, so you're or keep a scorecard and all your Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't do scorecards, because I would have been... I have plenty of friends who'd be like, you don't fit on that scorecard either, honey. <laughs> um, but I just think about, like, the fr- one, I realize I have very little experience in that. You know what I mean? Like, either me doing that for other people or what I think. Some people might say, no, you've done a lot for me, and but it's not the same thing. Um, but I think I have, like, a handful of friends that I know truly nourish me, like, when I'm down. Uh, I have my friend, and I will say, S.B. Miskowski, who is a writer, and I met her here at a temp job. Like, I had this temp job that I kept going back to all the time because I met amazing people, like, people I'm still friends with. That's great. Um, yeah, that was, like, a crazy magic job, I feel like. We would just all come to this table and, like, literally put bookmarks on cards and tape. It was the dumbest job ever. But um, but when I call SP, which is not all the time, um, not often, you know, but when we do connect, uh, she's, like, a creative mentor to me. So she... When I, when I call, I definitely can tell her anything that's going on. I'm definitely very vulnerable with her. Mm-hmm. I'll share, and I'm actually looking for advice. And I love her advice. I love her response. And her response is always, one, informative, smart, kind of light so that you're not getting in too deep, which is good for me. Like, light in terms of, like, let's not kill ourselves over this one, Aubrey. Right, you know, right. like, let's, hey, it's wise. Mm-hmm. It's wise. Plus, it's super loving. Like, I know this person has adoration for what I do as an artist and same for me to her. And it's just such a nice balance. Like I know when I call her, I feel nourished Right. or I have my friend, uh, I, I mean, I have a good handful of friends who are like this and you know who you are. Um, but when I call, I feel like they're present and, um, and some of my friendships who, that I've had for a long time are getting there. Mm-hmm. Cause I think now I think I've had to learn this. And so I'm noticing more and paying attention like, oh, are we just shallow talking or am I, or what's going on here? Right. And sometimes it's very unsaid. It's very like, what, what are, what's going on? Sometimes it's hard to figure that out. Like, yeah. I change that relationship because some friends are just, or some days even too, a close friend might be like, dude, I am just in the shallow relationship yeah. mode right now. It's like, you know, they've had a crappy day and they don't want to talk about it. You know, it's something you can have to yeah. gauge that. But yeah, I mean, sometimes it can take a really long time. Like I've known people for... 10, 20 years, and it's only, like, after that long period of time, we're like, hey, now we can, we're close, finally. It's and like, you feel the it's, difference, it's don't funny, you? It's funny, like, how it took that long. Yeah. And do you feel the difference, Yeah, right? you do. There's, like, a yeah. noticeable shift. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've known, there's some people I've known for decades, and it's, and, and some of that's circumstantial, too, because you're, like, of an age, and a certain age is running around being crazy, you know, you're right. finding yourself, and all of that, but, um... And at, at my age right now, oh, I don't completely understand my mom's comment she said in my 20s that I laughed at, where she was like, you're lucky if you have one best friend. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I know like 8 it, million people. Yeah, I'm doing great. In your 20s, you're like, I have a, I have a ton yeah. of best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's best friend because you're all discovering each other and yourselves and all of that. So I used to think like, oh, you're nuts. How lonely for you, mom. And now I get it. Now I get it. And you realize um, how powerful it is. You're like, yeah, that one good friend is the world. You know, it's like you yeah. need them more than anything. 
You really do. You really need them. And and this is kind of part of like the counseling or things that are topics I would love to get into with people as I start to understand that. I'd love to understand this wisdom for myself, but also bring it to other people because I think it raises quality of life. I think it's how human beings should be functioning. And there's a lot of different things in how we're functioning that are broken um, or not tended to or nurtured or things like that. So um, it's just been kind of really like a profound months here Mm -hmm. digging into these things. And I find it really interesting because it's really been like, oh, hall moments or, oh my God. I was biking home yesterday and feeling kind of sad and, you know, and I didn't even know why. Actually, I was biking really slow because I was like, what's my problem? Like, it's gorgeous out and whatever. And I'm just, you know, what I really want to do is I kind of want to, this is what I like about the podcast or I really want to talk to somebody and I really want to share or talk about my mom or I need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got home and so I was talking to Marty and Marty goes, oh, you're lonely. And exactly. I, and I just, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, I'm feeling lonely. Like I don't have anybody at that moment to talk to. And I know I have friends who are going to hear this and they're going to be like, oh my God, you should have called me. And I was like, and I will. Um, <laughs> but it was a good thing to say. It was a good like, oh, it's, you're feeling... It's good to realize that. Yeah. yeah. Because it's easy to not always tell what some of those emotions and sensations are at the time. Yeah. It's usually, oh, that's the cause. Because sometimes like, like, I have depression. <laughs> And, that, oh, okay. and that, that masks a lot of those types of feelings. Yeah. You don't always know. You're like, I'm really, I have no idea why I'm yeah. miserable right now. You're like, because I'm just, I'm used to that. It's a baseline. <laughs> and when you, know? you get used to it, that might yeah. feel scary too, because you're sort of like, oh, how yeah. do I know the end? When do I know it's coming again? I mean, maybe you're more intimate with like the wave of that, that emotion when it comes and goes. But you're right. When you're, in the, I think when you're in that fog too, mm-hmm. it's easy to fall to things. It you know, is. I've talked a lot about wine or drinking and things like that and being very careful or not drinking, very careful about the why, um, for myself, why you'd be picking up a glass of wine. And even if you have a glass of wine thinking, which sounds like it's taking all the fun out of it, yeah. but I, I really want to do that work just to say like, okay, why are you doing that? Like, well, do you solve question. Yeah. You're like, I'm drinking this because I'm actually going to enjoy this or am I yes. drinking it because I want to really just mask everything and yes. that numb feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? Which is fine as long as you're conscious of it and you know know you're making that choice as opposed to doing it unconscious, which can happen a lot more easily. Well, I would even go as far as say it's not fine if you know, like I would for the last 10 years, I think at at heavier times, I was very, I mean, I've all, I've been very conscious about what are you doing? Even as it was destructive or even I was going to cause us hangovers or whatever. What are you doing? I'm like, well, but you continue to do it. Yeah. So even if you're watching and looking and understanding, look at what you're doing, you're still doing it. And if it's not working for you, then you got to start to address that. But, um, and that's a whole nother podcast too, just about like later years drinking or the burdens of life. And even women like drinking, there's uh, some great articles I've read recently or in a couple documentaries about just women and alcohol, Mm -hmm. um, and the damage and the danger and the. Yeah. process the path it can be really bad for you and then it's interesting like there's all these studies that kind of come up every now and then like oh a glass of wine is good or a glass of beer is I know, good right? or just alcohol and like like okay i'm glad that there's something but it's like it doesn't outweigh the negatives well you know and no one talks cases. about like why you're going like you said i mean i remember when i was young 21 even i had some friends who were alcoholics and had quit mm-hmm. and i remember i had a girlfriend of mine who said i envy that you can have a glass of wine or two and be done. I can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. 
But now I find myself in my later age, which I think happens for women, especially when you get jobs and kids and burdens and stress mm -hmm. that is no longer within your control. Mother's Little Helper has, has not gone away. It's not a martini. It might be more wine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but the dangers of that is when you're utilizing alcohol to calm down, that, that utilization becomes a pattern. That pattern turns can, even worse with other people who have the, the, mm -hmm. the predisposition, right. can then turn into alcoholism. Right, for sure. But it's still, then the hard thing is that alcohol drinking is socially acceptable and encouraged. Oh, it's everywhere. Lot. You know, it's like... I mean, half of our office has gone to happy hour. <laughs> I know. And it's the second one today. Well, we have, I mean, think about it. I've had so many jobs where it was like, team drinking on Wednesday, or hey, mm -hmm. I want to hang out with you. It's, it's, it's always a happy hour to yeah. hang out with me. And they don't need an excuse. <laughs> it's just no. a thing to do. Well, and some people are younger, though, too. Like, right. I mean, we're in our 40s, and it's like I'm hanging out with people at jobs who are in their 20s. doesn't hurt them as bad. Or, no, no. And they're also... They being, bounce back a lot faster. Yeah. And they're not drinking that much. You know, they're, they're also the folks who are having two drinks and leaving. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like I have to watch that, too. Just sort of like, well, I'm in a, I'm in a different place. But when, you talked, when we were talking about the loneliness, and then you put... Um, Part of the things I coped with joining corporate world was, one, releasing creativity for a long time, which is not good for me to do, mm -hmm. but then consequently going and floating with like coworkers and losing track of myself and covering that with alcohol because there's always a happy hour. There is. But that creates a, a tremendous loneliness in me. Like I have, I have at other times felt massively weird and out of touch and lonely. Like well, why am I in this bar with the all death. these? Like the connection that you want sometimes. It's, yeah, it's none of me is there. You know what I mean? Other than my, ha, 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 you know. Right. Social, um, not not fake like I don't care, but it is fake. I mean, it's so it's shallow because I'm just entertaining. I'm not really, I don't think I'd be that, um, I'm not doing anything that I really want to do. Yeah. And that's my issue. That's my responsibility. But God, I really noticed that. I really noticed how much I was um, floating. Through, through, with people through life, and have really had to. Um, um, what do I want to say? Uh, grab myself back mm -hmm. and say, like, because uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I feel like you know, this is gonna sound weird, but like, I'm friendly. People, I mean, I'm fun to hang out with. Hey, whatever, right. or for whatever myriad of reasons. But that doesn't mean I can or should, you know. And so I'm, I'm pretty Libra. I'm pretty like, oh you want to hang out that's really nice but I have to remind myself you don't have that much time you know in terms of your day like you work 40 hours you're a mom and you're a musician yeah pick and choose and so I've had to get more active more responsible more like no I can't I'm gonna I only have so much time I'm gonna go write music mm -hmm. and now maybe that makes me feel sad and lonely that my life isn't so like free of work that's the best thing a musician can have though the, I feel like you write great music the more depressed and sad you are <laughs> At least all I have my other musician friends. I mean, nobody writes music when they're happy, right? Running around, oh, having I, a good time. Come on, man. <laughs> it, I've obviously anybody knows, right? Like I've said, it, I've said if anybody knows me a million times on this podcast today. But yeah, I write a ton of sad stuff. But I do not want to be sad all the time. I just don't. Maybe I'm no. not going to write like you know, hotter than July, Stevie Wonder. But you know, at the same time, I don't want to be sad all the time. No, but I do want to be doing Elliot my work. Smith, you know, you don't want to be that far off. No, you <laughs> no, don't. But I do want to be doing my thing because yeah. it would make me feel better as I do come hang out. I will actually be my full authentic self, not just carry floating and happen, happen to be with you at the mm -hmm. time. Um, I really want my, I really want my art, 
I want to do my art more often. I need to be myself. I need to get back to that. I mean, everybody knows, like, if you work agency side or any kind of job, I mean, 40 hours a week or more takes over. It's a, it's a good chunk of your life. It every is. Every week, you know. It's, yeah. It's most of your time, especially when you add your commute and stuff like that in, especially when you move to Tacoma. Oh, God, and You have I an know. extra longer commute. It is a lot. It's a big chunk of your, of your day. I decided when we moved to Tacoma on the train, I'm writing. Yeah. So, because what I... And I'm hoping that this is a good solve because at home, it's hard for me to write because Orion, bless his heart, is seven and is either running through the house with a pack of boys or he wants my attention mm-hmm. or he's lovingly fascinated with the piano and wants to bang on it while I'm trying to write. Sure. And so... That's what a kid should do. <laughs> yeah, right? And I love yeah. that. But writing time is private time. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping that... I'm hoping that that like train time for, for however long I do it is journal writing and songwriting. Yeah. It's funny because like my commute, even though I, I take the bus and it's not that long, it's like a half hour every day on yeah. it. It's like, it's weird. It's like, that's my alone time, even though it's like, I'm crowded with like people kind of half on my lap and yeah. their dog falling on me this, this morning and stuff like that. And yet it's still, it's like. Who fell is, on you this morning? Somebody's little dog. They no. <laughs> it wasn't anything. Just wanted to note that. Yeah. <laughs> It, you know, but it's still weird, like how like the mindset of like this is my time to read a book or listen to a podcast or do a thing. It's like and it really is my kind of alone time. Is my commute. Well, once you get children, yeah, you really do learn to like maximize small those times. corners. Anywhere yeah. you can get to be alone is a precious, is a precious gem. Yeah, to finish a thought is um, gold. Yeah, and you kind of get the feeling that everybody else is commuting the same way because not that many people are talking to each other. <laughs> There's a few people who they know each other. They get on the bus together, and you're like, you're weird talking. What are you doing? Like, the rest of Right. Don't you see? None of us are talking. That's not yes. what we do here. Yes. Yeah, you've got weird people watching us now. To, oh, look. You know, I just want to let you know that we have invited co-workers to come in, but they're afraid. You should come in. We're, okay. we're recording. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're recording. Hey, so we're going to invite our friend Amanda in. She's a designer here. And nobody's in that box right now. We're just talking. Look at us. Look us in the eye. <laughs> it's okay. We're here. And we're just talking away. We're what are you guys talking about? Oh, oh God. you don't even know. We've <laughs> yeah, talked about death. <laughs> yeah. We've covered all pretty broad. We've talked about <laughs> death. We've talked about work. We've talked about um, um, artistry. We've friendship. talked about friendship. Oh. Some of those things go together. Yeah. Yes. Startups, <laughs> like things you wish you want to do. <gasps> Drinking. Okay, can I say? Because actually it's pretty fortuitous that you walked in the door. Talk about creativity. Mm. Can I say? Yeah, I was going to okay. tell everyone today. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Uh, Miraculously, I did go out to a happy hour with the with the gang here at work, and and I was sort of tenuously like, I'm gonna go. I mean, everyone here is very kind and wonderful, but for my own personal reasons, I was watching. Like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Then, I believe I had a conversation with Amanda, and in my heart, I was like, that's why I'm here, because you. She literally came over to me. and was like, I want to tell you something. I think what if we talk twice? But it was almost like. You know, God sent or whatever. She literally walked over. She's like, "I need to talk to like you." I like, only felt comfortable talking to you about it. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I should leave the room then. No, <laughs> no. But she came over and she was and she said to me, "She said, I secretly have decided I want to pick up learning how to play the violin." Oh. And I was like, "What?" And uh, it's not a secret anymore. It's not a secret anymore. Now no, everyone, everyone knows. knows now. <laughs> but I loved the conversation because. She was so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, she had made a decision. She was moving forward with it. She had, of course, synchronicity. That's not even a word. Synchronicity had come in, and um, a violin had showed up. She was going to go get it. She was taking her personal space and time to, like, 
be in her decision and really enjoy it. And and I felt like I got the chance to talk to you about that and say, really? How amazing that is. That's cool, yeah. It's like that How much I envied that. Just her pure joy about it. Yeah. I mean, she is doing... You're just... You're doing something that you love and it's a very simple act, but like... I was like, I want that. Like, look at her. She's decided she's got something she's excited about and she's going to go get it. And then she's doing it. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> you make it sound so easy. It's, and it's not but at it all. No. I'm no? still like, it still takes me 45 minutes just to tune it, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's a learning process. Well, I think the thing, and maybe we talked about this. I think the thing I didn't learn about art that could be set out there is that it is a journey and it is work. Oh yeah. Um, but the, there's love and there's the love in that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say this year, I'm learning how to be more disciplined and finding love in that because I've been lucky enough, I feel like, to work with great people or I feel like I have some basic nat- natural talents. But sitting down and practicing, um, any friend of mine will tell you I hate that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I've been learning writing. how to play oh, a guitar yeah. for oh. 20 years. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I, I kind of figure it's going to be one of those things like it's not going to happen in a year or two or ten. It's yeah. just something eventually I want to... Maybe join like a, a couple friends and have a little band and maybe perform and eventually. All doable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all in doable. 10 years or so. It's just, I've always loved um, the fiddle and, and everything that goes along with that. And I've always wanted to play it ever since I was little, but I never did because I was always doing other things. And so, Bravo. Yeah. Well, I actually said to her, I go, I don't know. I think you're going to learn three chords, and I could tell you like eight million bands who would just have you play three chords. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to be ten years, sweetie. Right. We'll get you in a band. Let's talk about punk rock. You don't have to know how to play shit. Like, that's why I love to get into punk. Yeah. Well, and so anyone out there who needs a fiddle player who, who doesn't, who just needs a couple like notes, you, you know? I'm working on my scales. I'm getting pretty good. Yeah. Find me on Facebook. I'm serious, and, and I'll get you in touch with Amanda. Well, because that's the great thing about art. And I think Seattle is still really great for that is that if you wanted to experiment something on the performance level, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a scholar, you know, before you actually take action performance wise. And there's plenty of artwork. There's plenty of experimentation that doesn't follow like I must know how to play perfectly. I went to a show where a guy, even though I'm sure it was, I didn't really enjoy it, <laughs> but he just took a guitar and was feedback and distortion and wasn't really playing and for like a good 45 minutes solid. <laughs> That's oh really? All it was, and then at the end, I applauded because I was like, you know what? You got on the stage and you had the balls yeah. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. And I could have done. Anybody could have done yeah. that, but you did it, and well, that was impressive. That's it. Get up on stage and do something. Yeah. Really. People say the percentage of people actually get up and, like you say, get on stage is very. It's terrifying. Minimal. Yeah. Well, and I. So. <laughs> for you have to remind that to people oh, who I do see. it, who get nervous, to say like, hey. That's a big deal that's good. Rarely do people actually get up and Mm -hmm. do that. But you know what what I think about that, though, is I think about countries that have music integrated into the culture a lot more. It's it's less frightening. Mm -hmm. Like singing songs around a piano here, I think there's definitely regions and families who do that. But I know a lot of people are sort of like, hey, if we picked a guitar and sat in the middle of the room, like people would be dead silent. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be terrified. There's less stage fright when it's just part of your culture. Singing should be a part of your life. Oh, I think one of the best... Like examples of that. Um, Recently, I went to a wedding, and it was supposed to be outdoor, and it started raining in the middle of the ceremony. So we had to run inside, and they had to leave all like the sound equipment outside. So the um, recessional, when everyone was walking out of the wedding, was supposed to be um, 
a Beatles song. Of course, now I can't. Oh, I want to hold your hand. Oh, nice. And so when it got to the point where the bride was walking out, um, they didn't have any music. And so they're like, feel free to like start singing and as a joke. But then like you know, a couple people started singing and then before you know it, everyone is singing as the bride walks out. It was one of the better moments I've ever witnessed That's at beautiful. a wedding. Yeah, it was yeah. just so much fun. And you just, can't plan that. Yeah, plan no. Stuff. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was perfect. It was great. I think a lot of people too think they don't have the right or think that, oh, I'm not creative. I don't know how to do that. But they kind of, they truly desire to. And I'm like, you know, creation comes in a lot of different forms that could be, you know, mud on a plate. Yeah. Who cares? Like, yeah. It could be anything. Exactly. And one of the biggest things is just having the guts to just do it. Yeah. Regardless of what anyone's going to do or think or yeah. say. Definitely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Look, Libby's... We have yeah. another co-worker. Libby is like, I have yeah. to leave, but... All right. <laughs> I'm glad I get to talk about that. I'm going to tell everyone now. Everyone, goodbye to Amanda. Amanda Stoddard, <laughs> I'm no please. longer going to be a closet fiddle player. <laughs> she won't be. That was a good, that was a good little uh, interjection there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for stopping Bye. by. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. It's like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood in here. He's got people come in. It is. I know. Maybe we should make this a regular thing where we're like, <laughs> God knows who's coming in the office. we pick more public places. You know what I think would be funny is to do it here and then invite our friends in to do this so that somebody like famous or amazing would walk through and be like what the hell's going on sounds good yeah <laughs> anything to mess with the office yeah they would enjoy that I love that alright well maybe on that note we'll wrap up sure but uh so Ryan I think I think we should do this more often I yeah think I, love, that, like, I mean we were all over the place we could be more focused in the future hell no <laughs> no like I said this is sort of raw and uncut and whatever you damn well feel like doing at the time um, because look, I'm a project manager. I don't want to organize anything. <laughs> it should be fun. Yeah, we don't want to make it work. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us again. It's uh, I don't even know how long this has been, but I hope you enjoyed it. I think we're just under an hour. We are. Oh, yeah. sweetness! Um, I believe this weekend we're going to have Nancy Guppy come in, and I can't wait to talk to her because she inspired me to do the podcast. And she said, "One show at a time." Excellent. That's how I'm feeling about it. All right, bye everybody. Bye bye.